Better and Longer with The Fitness Show, hosted by fitness expert, author, and TV personality, Fitz Kohler. She'll tell you why diets are dumb, supplements are snake oil, and the truth about how you can earn a lean, hard, pain-free, and athletic body. Now for our favorite bossy blonde, Fitz Kohler. team. I'm Fitz Kohler, your fitness expert from fitness.com and welcome to the fitness show. We got a lot to talk about today. A whole lot, a whole bunch of random stuff. I have things I just need to tell you. I need to get them off my chest. Some silly experiences, some good stuff, some nice thoughtful ways to take care of yourself and then some questions answered because you guys sent me some great questions. So I want to start by telling you about my night out the other night, my night out with the girls, because here's the deal. I don't normally go out. I'm a person who likes to be in bed by 10.30 or 11, and I don't really drink. I mean, on occasion, I have a couple beers at a tailgate, but uh, I just don't drink very much, and being out late kind of scares me because I have to do a lot of stuff in the morning, and I do not like being tired, but this is where I went. Are you guys ready? Hold on to your chair. I went to a burlesque slash drag show. Dun, dun, dun. That's exactly what I did. So I am I am hosting the Wonder Woman Run series, and I needed to have a costume made, a costume and outfit. Call it what you want, but something that's kind of fun and Wonder Woman-y. And I went to a woman who's a costume designer, but she also happens to be a performer. She's a lifelong performer. She grew up doing dance. She was a dazzler for the Florida Gators. That's their dance team. And she just continued on. Really nice girl, woman. And she made my outfit. Um, But she was telling me about her performances. She does circus performances. She does burlesque. She doesn't do drag because she's not a guy pretending to be a girl, but she's also a producer of these shows. So she tells me, Fitz, I'm doing a show here in Gainesville. That's where we live, Gainesville, Florida. On uh, Sunday night, will you come? And I think, okay, I'll go. And so I loop two of my girlfriends into it, Nikki and Melissa, and I give them credit for being gamers and agreeing to go because who knows what you're getting into, right? But it sounded like a fun time and why not? And it started at 8. Isn't that awesome? It started at 8, not 11, because uh, if it started at 11, I would have said, sorry, I can't see your show. Record it, and I'll watch it on YouTube. But it started at 8 o'clock, and so I grabbed Nikki and Melissa, fun girls who are, um, they're grown-ups, and they're very sarcastic, which I thoroughly enjoy. So it was nice that they just kind of went, all right, sure. And I got to tell you, it was really, really fun. Um, it was a small crowd, maybe 50-something people in the audience total, but everyone was there to be supportive and happy, and these performers uh, were incredibly creative, and lots of talent. I mean, one of the women, uh, she sung opera, oh my gosh, but there was a theme to the show. It was a church revival, I think back in the day where they were healing people, and it was very Southern. So every act had something to do with the seven sins. There was greed, there was lust, there was pride. Anyway, um, very interesting performances. But this is what I was most impressed with because I deal with the human body for a living, right? I deal with your bodies, trying to be healthy. And then I deal with all the people, how they feel about their bodies. And that's really a somewhat of a whole nother category we get to go through. It's not only how how your body is performing and what you're putting inside of it, but then there's how we feel about our body. And sometimes you get people who are in great shape that just continue to brutalize themselves emotionally because they're never good enough. And that that's a uphill battle for me as a professional trying to convince people that they're good enough. Well, with the burlesque performers, most of them were in the obese category. Not just a little overweight, but obese. And they were amazing. Part of the deal with the burlesque is they start with their clothes on and then they slowly take it off. You know, they take off the glove, one finger, two finger, three finger, and then they take off their shawl and then the shirt goes and they're down to undies and pasties. And to be honest with you, Adam, doesn't, I don't care. I've seen boobs. (laughs) 
so it doesn't shock me. Some people might go and be horrified. Oh my gosh, she's showing her boobs or most of her boobs, but whatever. It just kind of blows past me. But um, they were very sexy and they were very beautiful. And when they stripped all the way down to their pasties and their thong, even though they were in that obese category, they had the most outrageous extraordinary body confidence of any women I've ever known, and I admired it. I thought, good for them. They feel so great, and I enjoyed the show. They didn't need to be this lean, hard person. I Maybe that might have been less entertaining, uh, but I really admired these women who felt so good about themselves, and they were coy, and they were flirty, and they were fun, and I, I mean, they're, they're holding the fans in front of their body so you can't see. And I think that's the purpose of burlesque is they take things off in kind of a seductive way, yet um, also covering themselves up in some regard. And so you think, ooh, take it off. I want to see it. Take it off. And there, I'm a, I'm a hetero woman who has no interest in other women, but they did such a good job that I thought, woo, take it off. Um, but they were great. They were so great. So I want you all to know, and I know you're on the treadmill or in your car and you're thinking, oh, Fitz, lay it on me, right? I think you all can be very, very sexy. I don't care how tall you are, how short you are, what your gender is, whether you're in great shape or not great shape. I think the sexiness factor comes with the attitude, with the way about you feel about yourself. Are you having fun? Um, of course, Putting on some cute outfit or something goes a long way, or at least something you feel good in, and that could be great exercise clothes, or that could be a tuxedo or a fancy gown. I don't know. But you all are probably very sexy people, and so you just got to feel it. And that's what I got from these women, because maybe if I walked by them at Target, I might not think, ooh, that lady's sexy. But when she came on the stage and Ta-da! To the music with the smile and the glamorous makeup. I just thought these women were hot stuff. Uh, So you can be hot stuff too. And if you're in a relationship, turn that on because I'm sure the other person, your partner, will enjoy the hell out of you being a super sexy person and just feeling sexy because that that really is. I'm going to have to go all sexy out because of these ladies. I thought I can do better, right? And we all can do better. They were super hot stuff. And um, your body shape, your body type, none of that matters. It's all in the delivery. So give it a go, right? Give it a go. And then there was the drag performers. Um, One was a really big guy dressed as a really glamorous woman, fully clothed. And he was just a heck of a lot of fun. He uh, did some... Oh, I I couldn't describe it if I tried. It was kind of a lip sync to, I don't know. I just can't describe it. It was that off the wall, but it was really kind of fun and funny. And then there was a young man dressed as a sexy lady, and he too pulled off super sexy. So, you know, again, it doesn't matter. Just put on that persona. Oh, 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 and here, ladies, this is the thing I I, um, learned. So my friend, the costume designer, who was the producer of the show, she comes over and she's busy producing. So she has a few bit parts in this performance, but she's not doing her whole burlesque thing. She comes over and her lips are amazing. I go, teach me what is on your lips. And she said it was, um, oh, crow, I couldn't, I can't come up with the name, but it's the super cheap lipstick from Walgreens. I think, girls, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's about 99 cents per lipstick. But she put that on red, and then she put red glitter on her lips. I kid you not, she had full-blown glitter lips like a Betty Boop. Oh, so fancy and fabulous. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, how do I do that? And even at the Wonder Woman thing, I thought, oh, I could maybe do that. But I, I talk too much. It would crest off and not look fancy. But maybe a fun night out. You get some lipstick and then you smush on the glitter and apparently it stays because lots of the burlesque performers were wearing that. It's again, I learned I learned a makeup tip at the burlesque show, but lots of fun. If you've never been to one, apparently even a rinky dink small college town like Gainesville, Florida has them. So you could look on your things to do on Facebook or whatever 
it was it was a really good time, but eye opening and um you know, if I would have stuck around and met these women, I would have told them how much I admired them because it was it was awesome. So so we're there. And then the next thing I want to tell you about is Ivan Decker. I want you to YouTube Ivan Decker and the gym. He's a comedian that does a cry your eyes out hysterical bit on going to the gym. And it is just funny. I think I heard it on the radio on Sirius XM. You know how they have those comedy channels. So I was listening to that one day and I almost crashed my car laughing. But then I looked online for you so I could tell you um, to look for Ivan Decker. And the topic is the gym. It's what you need to do, right? Um, And then my other burden in my life, this is just stuff I'm getting off my chest because no one wants to hear it. But I have two children. One of them is a 13 year old boy. And he told me the other day that my canines were not sharp enough. You heard me. (laughs) As if we don't have a million things to be self-conscious about, my canines are not sharp enough. So I tried to convince him that I am a vampire and they've been dulled down by uh, eating too much human and their bones have dulled down my teeth, but that didn't do. And so now I am ostracized from my house. No, that's not true. But um, that's the thing he's picking on me about is dull canines. And then I talked to a dentist at a tailgate and I said, this is what's going on in my life. He goes, yeah, you're a uh, clencher, aren't you? Which is true. I actually have, I grind my teeth at night because you're a grinder. Stop grinding your teeth. But my canines are not pointy. Look at, look in the mirror and see if your canines are pointy because (laughs) this falls into the category of stuff we can do nothing about. And so perhaps Maybe the uh, attempt at getting some definition your abs seems way doable now because that actually is something you can do, but I don't know how to make my canine teeth pointier, nor would I like to go into some cosmetic dentistry to make that happen, but we have a lot to worry about, don't we? I mean, that's rounded canines, and now I look at them and I think, yeah, they're not very pointy, and if I were a vampire, I'd probably be a big failure vampire. I would have to get the other vampires to go get the people. I'd have to drink the blood with a straw. That's what I would have to do. I would have to get a vampire friend to grab a victim for me, and I'd have to use a spoon or something like that because my canines are not sharp enough. So going across that, um, next funny thing, Besides Ivan Decker at the gym, I do a lot. I use my iPad when I do cardio machines, elliptical or bike or treadmill, whatever it is. I like to watch Netflix and I've been watching comedians in cars getting coffee. It's a production of Jerry Seinfeld and basically he gets in a car. He's a car guy like Jay Leno. So he gets in some sort of interesting car like a Porsche or an old station wagon, depending on the comedian. But he goes and picks up Kevin Hart or Ellen DeGeneres or... Oh my gosh, Brian Regan, Jimmy Fallon, they are funny, funny bits. So if you need some entertainment on the treadmill, I think most of these episodes are 15 to 20 minutes, but you will be the same person as I am cackling, laughing while you're trying to uh, work out and all the other people at the gym will be staring at you like a weirdo and that is okay because it's funny, funny, funny stuff. Um, I think there's about three or four seasons of it. I've only gone through one. But funny as heck, and that's something important you need to uh, focus on is your your cardio entertainment. So comedians in cars getting coffee. And then the other thing I want to tell you about, which is nonsense that I'm gonna and then I'm gonna go to the real stuff, is um I I try to do nice things for myself. You know, I feel like I'm a grown up and I deserve nice things. I work hard, I have a job, I make some money, I take great care of the of the children and the animals. And sometimes I just need to hit the pause button and do some nice things for me. So once a month, I get a pedicure now. I wear sandals all the time, so I should. And I go see the animals at the farm, and they are very good for my sanity. Oh, my gosh, they're so cute. I could talk for an hour on the cuteness of these animals, and I will someday. I'll tell you more. However, this is a very simple pleasure that I've been enjoying. I And um, I'm a big fan of citrus smells, and I don't do floral anything. So in my shower, I keep... I got at uh, TJ Maxx this scrub. It's in a 
tub container, and it's the brand is Asquith and Somerset. But I have one that's orange, one that's pineapple, one that's lemon. I smell very fun and fruity. But not only do I scrub my body with it, but I put it in between my hands and my palms and scrub there. And for some reason, that is mind-blowingly relaxing. So for you, even if you have a day full of chaos, when you get in your shower, scrub your body, but then put some between your hands, and it just even makes your back release. It's one of those ah, ah moments. So this is the weird stuff I'm doing all day. But it's they do have the Bitmoji app if you have a cell phone. And I don't know if it's only iPhone users who get it, but it's called Bitmoji. And that's where you get the uh, the little likeness of yourself. So a lot of people see me use them online. It, my little character looks just like me, and she's doing all sorts of stuff and responding. She says things. Anyways, there's a new section of the Bitmoji called self-care. And self-care seems to be a big trend now. People are talking about self-care. That scrub between my hands is my version of self-care. So self-care yourself up and uh, get some good scrub or some rough sugar, whatever it is, but it feels fantastic. All right. So now I'm going to go into the real fitness stuff because that's what you came here for. And I've droned on enough. I might actually drone on a little more at the end. But um, I've got some great questions for you. And I love it when you guys send me questions because you give me great topics to talk about. And if you have a question, it probably means that there's about 75,000 other people with the same exact question. So my first question came from Jennifer Hall, who asked, how do you improve your metabolism? So your metabolism is the fire. Think of a furnace. And how do you keep a fire going in that furnace? You have to do things like throw in more coal, throw in more wood chips. You have to stoke the fire. You take your little metal stick. And of course, I'm Floridian. So this is my impersonation of the thing with the fire is you you, you swish it around, right? That's kind of how our metabolism stays high. So the more muscular you are, the higher your metabolism. So if there's you and your identical twin, you have the same height, same weight, one of you is harder and one of you is softer, the harder twin, meaning more muscles, that person will burn more calories per minute doing absolutely anything. Sitting still, lying down, riding a bike, dancing, pouring coffee, all of that, all of those activities, your harder twin will burn more calories doing. So if you want an increased metabolism, the first thing you have to do is commit to strength training because muscles simply require more energy to exist. And so your body has to keep fueling those muscles so they're burning off calories to keep them going. So strength train, strength train, strength train. Try to say that three times fast. But that is the most important thing you could do for your metabolism. Constantly moving. So... Get up, move around. The second you start moving, you start putting your body into activity mode and it burns more calories. In fact, after a significant exercise session, whether it's five minutes of jumping rope or an hour of Pilates, your metabolism stays raised for a significant period of time. Could be 30 minutes, could be 60 minutes, but the period after you're exercising, after you're done exercising, you're still at a metabolism high. So, Commit to getting your heart rate up, doing something special. Even if it's just for 5-10 minutes, you can increase your caloric burn just by building, act, uh, being more active for a little while. And then nutrition. If you don't eat for a long time, your metabolism slows down. If you snack often, if you're a person who has a bag of carrots at 9 a.m. and then you have some yogurt at 10.30 a.m., and then you have a sandwich at noon, your metabolism will be faster. And so I I think it's interesting how people are saying, well, I'm going to fast. I'm just going to not eat for a long time. That's a really good way to kill your metabolism. And if you think about that fire, that actual fire in a furnace, if you leave it alone, it peters out. So don't leave that fire alone. Mess with it. Become more muscular Remain very active and then stoke the fire with food. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of food. You don't want to go over your caloric budget, but you do want to keep your digestive system on its toes and moving. Drink lots of water. 
Um, it's interesting. Many years ago, so my very first book was called The Everything Flat Belly Cookbook, and that was a book that I was contracted for. Um, a, a publishing house said, "Hey, we would like Fitz Kohler to write a book for us. How about this?" So again, Everything Flat Belly Cookbook, and I provided 365 simple and nutritious recipes for people to cook at home to lean up. You know, healthy, low low calorie ish. Um, recipes. And then they came back and said, can you write another book? And it was, um, I think it was 365 ways to boost your metabolism. And so I stuck with the facts <laughs> because that's what I'm supposed to do, right? The facts. And I talked a lot about different ways to keep moving, different ways to incorporate snacks, um, strength training exercises. Just, you know, it's not super science, but there's some stuff people say, well, if you have cinnamon or spices, it'll raise your metabolism. Really? If it does, it raises it by about one billionth of a percent. It's certainly not worth focusing on. And it certainly is not worth taking your eyes off of doing push-ups, And instead you're wasting your time looking for jalapenos, right? It just, when it comes to our attention, major in the majors, not these minor things that are really insignificant and irrelevant to health and weight loss. So I provided a book full of quality content. And then the publisher came back and said, we want to add a chapter on negative calorie foods and supplements that enhance metabolism. And so many of you are probably going, ooh, because you can imagine what my response was. So I come back and I say, well... There is no such thing as negative calorie food. And, and so, you know, I don't know. Some people say that if you eat celery, the process of digesting celery burns more calories than you actually receive eating the calorie, the celery. And I don't know if that's true on celery. But basically, negative calorie foods don't exist. And they were saying that, for example, bananas were negative calorie foods. And they had a whole list, which was actual garbage, just mind-blowing garbage. And then, of course, the supplements were crap. And uh, so I went to a friend who was a pharmacist, a couple of them, and I had them write a letter saying that these supplements actually do not promote weight loss. They have actual no factual impact on your weight, and they're actually more likely to be damaging and dangerous to a person, especially if we're guiding someone to take a certain supplement when they're on other medications or they're dealing with other ailments. So, you know, I got some other authorities to back me up on why it was a good idea. And they said, well, we know the information is not true, but it'll sell books. How ugly is that? How absolutely disgusting and ugly was that? So instantly I pulled out, you know, I emailed the publisher and my agent. And I said, listen, I have worked hard for this reputation. I've gone to school, and I'm not going to lie to people. Uh, so I want nothing to do with this. Either you pull the content or you pull me from the book. And so what they did, it's interesting. My contract had me listed as, uh, I don't know, maybe the word was as something simple as writer, but not author. And so that one word in my contract made made me lose all control of this book. So um, if I would have been listed as author, I would have been able to dictate every word. But because I wasn't, they could dictate it. So what they did is they pulled my name from the book that I had written, this huge book that I had written. And I was so excited about it too, because it was my second book being published. And there's something special about having your words and print. You know, it's just, it's different and it was wonderful. Um, but yeah, they got some low-grade, cheap, lion-stealing chick with a nutrition license. Shame on her. I'm sure karma will get her for lying to you. But they put her name on my book, added those crappy lying chapters, and uh, released it. And so the, the that was hurtful and disappointing and one of those really hard life lessons learned. Um, however... It was very important to me. You know, I, there is no dollar. There is absolutely no amount of money that would make me sell out to you. I would never lie to you. And um, this other person, whoever it was, or she, I think it was a woman, 
who put her name on that garbage. Uh, shame on her. But so they, they paid me X amount um, without my book being published or my name being on the finished product. However, what happened is they were pre-selling the book. And so the book, I think if you still Google it, it'll say 365 ways to boost your metabolism by Fitz Kohler. Yikes. Um, so that really <laughs> made me unhappy because I really don't want any connection with that. But metabolism, moral of the story is you just got to be more active. You know, if you eat smaller amounts more regularly, drink lots of water, your metabolism will be where it wants to be. But you're, you're, you're in control of it. It all comes down to watching what you put in your mouth, doing it regularly, and uh, moving your body. So, so that's it. More active people, stronger people, more muscular people, people who eat more frequently, they have a higher metabolism. And then, of course, there's those people that nobody likes that just naturally have a high metabolism and good for them. <laughs> good for them. We're going to be congratulatory as opposed to mean the way we would actually like to be. Um, Jennifer has a follow-up question. She said, you might have covered this before, but my Garmin shows calories burned and includes resting calories. I determine... Um, how much is automatically burned each day before exercise? Resting calories burned, determine how. So I give you the exact formula for weight loss. That's actually um, based on 10 calories per day being how many calories our bodies burn per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 150 pounds, if you were almost solid muscle, you would naturally be burning about 1,500 calories per pound of body weight. Um, a less muscular body, someone who has a higher percentage of fat, maybe 18% of fat, 30% of fat, metabolism significantly slower. So I am not sure. Um, there's, I don't know how this Garmin is working, to be quite honest with you. What I have found in my profession is that most of these devices are wrong. So if you get on a stepper and you poke in your age and your weight, it will tell you how many calories you have burned per hour during your exercise session. But that device has absolutely no idea what percentage of body fat to muscle mass ratio you have, how tall you are, how short you are, how dense you are. So we can assume that those machines are wrong 99.999% of the time. They're just inaccurate. Um, someone small like me, I'm probably burning about 100 calories per mile of vigorous exercise or per 10 minutes of vigorous exercise. Someone much larger, you know, a man who's 400 pounds is probably burning, you know, a couple hundred calories at least for 10, uh, for 10 minutes of exercise because of the amount of weight he has to lift. Every move he makes is way harder than it is for me to lift my light body. Um, so yeah, Jen, I'm sorry I can't help you too much with the Garmin. Uh, you might be able to find a tool online that gives you a more accurate count if you can put in the specifics of your, your body type. Um, but it still probably isn't able to uh, count your heart rate and know what your body fat is and so forth. So, you know, just push it to exercise. Sometimes I think we get wrapped up in the details for example, when I run, I do it without a watch. Now, for those of you trying to PR all the time, that doesn't seem very productive. But I'm a girl who's really just happy to go out and do some great exercise. Go for a while. I don't want to look at the time. I don't want to know my distance. I just want to go. And I want to, I want to gauge my workout based on how my body feels. And so it's nice, nice to have a range of how many calories you eat. But you're not removing those calories from or adding them back onto your daily budget and saying, I can eat this amount extra. So just don't get don't get wrapped up in those details. That would really be my suggestion on all of this is, you know, if you want to get 30 minutes of running in or you want to get a great strength training workout in, go get it. And you'll know that <laughs> you've burned a bunch of calories and you've accomplished a lot. If you were grunting while you were strength training, we know you got stronger. If you were huffing and puffing while you were running or dancing or swimming, we know that your heart and lungs are in better shape. And we know that you burned a bunch of calories, but don't get wrapped up in those details. You stick with your caloric budget and then let the chips fall and exercise where they may. Lay out an awesome workout program in front, in front of you, conquer it, and move on. You don't need to worry about how many calories you burned. It really is unnecessary information. 
Now, Indu Nandula asks, how do you stay motivated? So some of us are very motivated by accomplishing physical goals. You know, you want to, you want to lose weight, so there's your, motiva- your motivation. Ah, I'm having a speaking problem today. It's your motivation. I feel like Jesse Jackson. You know how he makes up a lot of words. I'm that girl now. We've got your motivation here. Um, how do you stay motivated? Well, you stay motivated by setting a goal in front of you that's exciting, right? So maybe it's weight loss and you work hard to lose the weight. It might be 100 pounds. It might be 10 pounds. But you stay motivated because you're getting closer and closer to your goal. You stay motivated to train for your upcoming triathlon because you're excited about the triathlon and you have the fear of God in front of you because you know if you don't train, that's going to be a really unpleasant day. I know when I was fighting as a kickboxer, my motivation stared back at me in the mirror. I didn't have the best face in the world, but man, I didn't want it to be any worse. And so I was in the gym training hard in the morning. So I would unlock it myself and I'd go and I'd work that bag until I couldn't work it anymore. And then I'd go to the stadiums and I'd run because I knew whoever I was going to fight next was training too. And so that was my motivation. Sometimes people accomplish certain things And there's a little bit of a letdown. Timothy Powell has been going through that lately. His big buildup was to run the uh, Run Disney Star Wars Half Marathon. And he did it with the 10K the day in front. So he really accomplished a lot. He pushed himself. You know, the half marathon turned out to be semi-dramatic. He got to a point he thought he might not be able to go on. And I called and gave him a little, uh, what for? I think he would have finished that race anyways. But then he finished strong, and that was his motivation. And so the motivation kind of waned a little bit after that. He thought, oh, what am I working for? And that's when motivation becomes tough, especially after you've accomplished a goal or if you feel like you're maybe not moving fast enough to the goal. And what I want you all to start to realize is you don't need motivation to brush your teeth, right? It's just something you get up and do. You might need a little motivation to floss. Flossing is a little trickier in the mind of many. But you don't need motivation to brush your teeth. Now, if you lost a tooth, it would stink. You might look kind of funny, but you'd you'd still be able to eat your food, right? Now, if you lost all of your teeth, if they all fell out and you had no more teeth left, would you be able to live? Yes. You might be self-conscious about your smile, but you could live. You could drink everything through a small. You could gum down some jello and some yogurt. Some mashed up steak, you could do it. So even though those teeth of yours, your pearly whites, they are unessential for living, you still have the habit of taking care of them every single day, morning and night, sometimes even more than that. Now, your heart, for example, if you don't take care of your heart, what happens? You get pretty sick. Life becomes pretty difficult. Congestive heart disease is a very bad thing. Now, if your heart goes bad, all the way bad, can you live? No, the answer is no. And so think about that. And of course, there's a lot of things that we can talk about in fitness that are very motivating and very exciting. And you could put memes on your wall and you can hang a bikini from your refrigerator and you can hang out with fit people and you can join a gym with great instructors. But at the end of the day, yeah. It should be part of your regimen, part of who you are. You don't think about brushing your teeth. There's no teeth brushing support groups. Is there a hottie tooth challenge that anyone's joining? I don't think so. Everybody just kind of does it. And if you really care about living well and living long, and even more you care about living in a body that you're proud of and feel good about and good in, Eating right and exercising has to be part of your regimen. I think it's real fun when we've got a goal to attain and a game plan for athletic adventure and so forth. But it almost gets a little tiring sometimes, especially from my perspective as a professional. Sometimes I look around and think, what do you mean you need motivation? This is your life, right? You probably wash your car a couple times a month. You clean out the trash, right? You vacuum the floor because there's stuff there and that's embarrassing. We don't want to have a guest get in our car and then there's 
dirt on the floor or we've got wrappers and things like that. We're embarrassed about the state of our car. Shouldn't we put as much priority and pride in our physique and our self and our health? I think so. And so I could list, I can make a very long list of ways to motivate yourself for exercise. And I, and I think I do on a regular basis try and encourage you to get out and go live life and go snowboarding and try uh, water skiing and paddleboarding and soccer, whatever it is. Mo- motivation can be everywhere. But really, healthy needs to be who you are. Right? If we sat down together... <laughs> And I can look you right in the eye, which I feel like I'm doing right now. You gotta take responsibility for that body you're living in because you only get one. You might get an extra hip someday. You might get a knee or a shoulder. But for the most part, you got what you got. Um, And your car, you'll replace that car of yours many, many times. You're not going to be able to replace your heart, your lungs, your spinal cord. Those things are the thing just stuck with. Um, so yeah, motivation, we can pick the fun stuff all day, but when you wake up in the morning and you take that toothbrush off the counter and you put it in your mouth, you have to look yourself in the eye in that mirror and say, okay, I'm taking part, I'm taking care of one of the very basic, unimportant things in my body. I got to go do right by the rest of it. That's it. And if you're not going to exercise, I don't want you to brush your teeth anymore. You hear me? That's it. No exercise, no teeth brushing. You go out and be a stanky mouth until people get sick of it, and maybe that'll be your new motivation for exercise. All right. Brian Solberg goes totally off the topic because there was no specific topic, but he said, what are your favorites and biggest challenges of announcing? So race announcing he's talking about. My favorite part of race announcing is the people I just love basking in the people. I love your smiling faces. I love that you show up to take on this athletic adventure and I get to be a part of it. I really want to bask. When I'm on the stage on my little perch with the microphone, what I want to do is come, I want you all to lie down on the ground and then I could roll across you all so I could feel you all and go, woohoo, I'm with the people. And that sounds super weird, but I do. I love you so much and I love... Those of you who take the time to engage with me, who have introduced yourself or we have hugs, and some of you are dear friends now, um, but I always love the more the more personal interaction with the runners and the walkers, the better. I actually sometimes feel a, a little sad when people go by my stage and they ignore me. They're all cut up in themselves and their fabulous moment, and I think, I want to be a bigger part of it. Let's have a high five. Let's have a hug. So that's my favorite part of the race. The most challenging part of announcing has got to be two things is, um, number one, when the sound people don't do their job and the equipment is shoddy or it's not set up properly or it's not set up at all. If I don't have proper sound, I can't do my job on occasion that has happened and it's incredibly frustrating. Um, it's, it's frustrating for me because I want to do my job. I feel very sad for the runners because they deserve some fun and engagement and entertainment. And on occasion, they're getting nothing. They're getting no music, no no rah-rah, sis-boom-bah from myself. And that's what, you know, part of the deal when you go to some of these races. Some races, you show up at a local 5K, and you just expect there's going to be some guy with an air horn. No one's going to talk to you, but you're going to do the thing, and it's going to be great. The races I host, people show up expecting something more. And so I feel like they paid for not only the course, a safe course and the nutrition and the metal and so forth, they've paid for that engagement and entertainment at the start and finish line. And if I can't provide it, I feel very, very bad. Um, and then I feel bad for the race organizer because normally they've paid a decent amount of money to fly me out, put me up and have me do my job. And if I can't do the job, very difficult. The other most challenging thing is, again, um, a reliance on other professionals, it's timing. So if the timing company does not have the runner names coming across my laptop at the finish line, it just makes it really, really hard to do my job. So we all have agreements when we uh, tell a race organizer we can do the job, you know? And so the sound company says, hey, I'm going to bring the speakers and the mixer and the microphones, and I'm going to make sure people can hear what's going on and your announcer can do the job. And then the timing company, they're in charge of making sure they can track every runner 
your start time, your finish time, your um, your little middle times where you, uh, uh, <laughs> the words are escaping me. But you know, if you're doing a half marathon, they will track you at 5K, 10K. They'll tell you your splits. But they're also responsible for making sure the announcer gets the name at the finish line. That is actually part of the deal that they've agreed to do. And I've been in an interesting position um, hosting a race. I'm not going to say where. But the timer, I said, listen, I'm not getting any names. Now, mind you, the winner comes through. I can't even say, here comes John Doe. The winner, I just say, here he comes, you know, at two hours and 10 minutes. And that's so boring. And and really, nobody wants to hear their number called because nobody knows their number. Nobody cares about their number. It's just really dumb. So I tell the guy, hey, listen, I need names. He goes, listen, that's not important to have the names. What's important is after that I've timed every every person coming through. And I said, no, this race organizer has paid a lot of money to have me here. So I can tell Michelle Smith specifically that she has done a fabulous job. So get me those names. And and finally he did. But um, I, I don't like being a put in a position where I have to be stern with other contractors who are failing their job. And so, you know, we all have a job to do. And if I were lacking mine, I would expect someone to call and say, hey, Fitz, we need you to blank a little more. But that's really the only hardship of race announcing that and maybe travel. Sometimes that, you know, (laughs) travel can become a little exhausting. But other than that, I love every second of it. I love every minute with the athletes from beginning to the end. And um, I don't like it when it's over. It's one of the reasons I'd really like to announce Ironman for no other reason than it's a 24-hour day. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. I really, you know, maybe at the end of a 24-hour day, I'd be ready to go home and walk away. Um, So we'll see. I'm sure that'll happen one day. It hasn't happened yet, but a 24-hour day would be really nice. So On to the next subject. Michael Jones brings up one, and I know it's a common question. He says, I would really like to hear you explain again why keto and other restrictive diets are a recipe for failure, whereas the exact formula for weight loss works for life. So anytime you're given extreme uh, deprivation, rules of deprivation, you're bound to fail. And so with the exact formula, you learn how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be. You all get your very specific caloric budget based on your specific size goals. And so based on science, we know that if you weigh 1,500 or you, if you want to weigh 150 pounds, you need to consume 1,500 calories, no more, and eventually your body will shrink down to that size. It's just your goal weight, zero on the end. It works across the board for everyone, and it's healthy. Now, if you want to be 150 pounds and you're 550 pounds, well, you want to You want to gradually get down to the 1,500 caloric budget. If you start at 500 pounds and you want to weigh 150, well, you probably should start off with a 4,000 calorie per day diet until you get down, or not diet, budget. I don't even like the word diet. It makes my blood boil. But, you know, you gradually get to one goal and then reduce your caloric budget to make the next. Now, within that exact formula for weight loss, there's absolutely nothing I tell you not to eat. Nothing. I don't tell you that you shouldn't eat meat or you shouldn't eat fruit or you shouldn't eat beans or you shouldn't eat sugar. I tell you to do it wisely. And the more wisely you do it, the easier it'll be. You know, if you want to spend your 1,500 calories on a fancy coffee and a donut in the morning and that's all you eat, well, you can lose weight. However, recipe for failure because by the time you get to noon, if all you've eaten is a donut and a fancy coffee, you're going to be hungry, you'll have a headache, you'll be cranky, you give up and quit. However, within that caloric budget, if you eat tons of produce, very high, nutritious, low-calorie produce, you'll feel full, you'll be satisfied, you'll have ease with digestion, you put in some lean protein, some lean dairy, you have some beans, you have some grains, you'll be successful. There's wiggle room in there for you to have the things you really like. Hopefully you'll learn to start enjoying the things that are more nutritious and and lower calorie that fit into your budget. And that's what I find. When people use the exact formula for weight loss, they start becoming an investigator. They are first surprised and appalled at how many calories they actually already eat per day. And then they find modifications. You know, a lot of people, instead of having a a turkey wrap in a pita or tortilla, shell, they're having it in a lettuce wrap 
or they change their fried chicken salad for a grilled chicken salad. They just start making minor alterations. Instead of dumping dressing on their salad, they become a dipper. It's not that complicated, but it's all within the realm of what people really like to eat. They just start modifying their own habits, yet there's still some wiggle room in there to have a beer or to have some pizza, real pizza with white dough. Um, there's nothing that tortures you if you're using the exact formula for weight loss. Unless you're just gluttonous and you really like gluttony, the exact formula for weight loss is very reasonable and it's something that you will gradually learn to adopt into your life. And once you get to your goal weight, you know you have to stay there. This is not a temporary measure. This is a permanent thing. This is a way of life and something you can continue on for the rest of your life. And I'm proof of that because I'm 45 pounds less than I was my freshman year in college. And I, in my head, count the calories every day. So it's very, very doable. But what happens with other diets Keto being one of them is it tells you don't have these particular things. And what happens when someone tells you, you can't have this? You want it. That's right. I heard you all say that back to the podcast. You all said, I want it. That's right. If somebody says you can't have pizza, all you think about is pizza. If they say you can't have chocolate, all you think about is chocolate. And so <sighs> diets are dumb. They're temporary measures that lead to temporary results. Some of these things are absolutely unmaintainable nor should they be. And so you take a thing up like keto where they try to tell you don't have bananas or apples or oranges or kiwi or melons or lemons or plums. They actually tell you not to have that. Those are things you shouldn't have. And if that's not the most absurd, moronic direction I've ever heard in nutrition, I don't know what is. There's actually some organized group of people telling you not to eat an apple and not to have a banana. You know, there are severe consequences to this type of behavior. You know, we start with the nutritional deficiencies. And a lot of people doing this keto, quote unquote, diet, they're nutritionally deficient because they're eating lots of fats and lots of meat. And they get a few other things throughout the day, but they're lacking nutrition because they're not getting a well-rounded, diverse amount of produce. You know, everything from your skin, for example. We've got vitamins A, C, E, and fruit. And fruit They prevent wrinkles. They have natural ability to help protect your skin from the sun. Keto says don't have those things. Don't have healthy skin because you should be eating all these fat and meat. That's a really good idea. Um... With a diet like that, that keeps you away from carbohydrates. Oh, and it tells you to eat no bread, no this, no that. Now, carbohydrates are a really good thing. Carbohydrates equal energy. Carbohydrates is synonymous with energy. That's in, exactly, it's, it's literally telling people, do not eat the category of food that provides energy, which seems problematic to me. And the like, lack of glycogen people get within the keto diet has them leave, leaves them feeling depleted. And guess where they can't perform? They can't perform while doing cardio. They can't perform their best while doing strength. And they end up lacking performance and enduring muscle fatigue and diminished muscle capacity. They're losing muscle because of this high meat, high fat diet. Does that sound smart? No. I mean, starvation makes you tired. And, the, and are they starving? No, but what happens with keto, they start being uh, severely low calorie because they're not having any carbohydrates, which are dense in calories, but in a good way. We want that. They may lose weight just because they're having so little calories. And then what happens when they get off the diet? Of course, they, uh, <laughs> they gain it all back. Plants, rid your body of toxins. I don't know any nutritionist on the planet that would tell you to avoid produce, any sort of produce. I mean, it's just as dumb. Now, are there certain types of produce you maybe have less often? You know, if you had 10 bananas a day, <laughs> may not be so good because they are a higher calorie food. But if you have a, a banana and some watermelon and some and an orange, it sounds like you've had some really healthy choices. Um, if you lack fiber, oh, and here's the other thing, the fruit and the veggies, they are dense with fiber, which is the thing that makes you feel full and the thing that aids digestion. 
So if you're doing a keto diet, plan to be stopped up. Constipation is a lot of fun. I'm sure you've all experienced that. It's a really good time. So if you want to be constipated, keto is the way to go. Atkins, it all falls into the same categories. If you have digestive issues like IBS or Crohn's, expect to live in a, a nightmare world. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And so instead of going on this really dumb keto diet, and I tell you what, there's people out there listening to me right now, believe it or not, they will know what the formula is. They will know that anyone telling them not to eat an apple is an idiot, yet they will do it anyway. They will give it a try. Well, my friend lost weight, so I'll try it. We have friends who have lost weight on cocaine. We're not going to do that. We've had friends who've lost weight on chemotherapy. We're not going to do that. Just because people have temporary weight loss results does not mean it's a really good idea. You will lack, you will end up with vitamin and mineral deficiencies, weakness, skin issues, constipation, cramps, all sorts of unfun things. And that's because of this dumb, dumb diet. So where do you go with that? What you do is maybe you're a guy or a girl who eats too much sugar, back off the sugar. You don't need some diet to tell you to back off the sugar and never have sugar again. Just back off. Start eating more broccoli. Have an apple. (laughs) An apple's a really good choice compared to a candy bar. If you're having full calorie sodas or juices, knock it off. Have a diet juice. Oh my God, a diet juice. She said diet. Yeah, you know what? Aspartame is the most... Aspartame is the most highly scrutinized ingredient in the history of the FDA. There's absolutely no proof it's causing anything other than weight loss. Doesn't mean it's causing weight loss, but when you stop drinking 700 calories or 2,000 calories a day worth of soda and juice, and you you find an option that tastes good and keeps you satisfied, you'll lose some weight. In fact, if you want to get all wild and crazy, you could just drink water. Seriously, you could just drink water. You don't need to give up white stuff altogether. You could just cut back. You know, if you're sticking with your caloric budget, that's what you're encouraged to do. As you go to, uh, well, say Olive Garden. You go to Olive Garden, you get some shrimp, and you get some veggies, and you get a scoop of pasta. You don't get a plate of pasta with a little bit of shrimp mixed in. You just change the focus. More of the healthy, 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 high-densely nutritious stuff And then less of the things that aren't so nutritious that have a lot of calories. So thank you, Michael, for asking the question. I could rant. Obviously, I am a bit of a ranter about this, but um, the diets are dumb. Anytime someone takes out a category of food for you, you should question their intelligence. And really, I I work with plenty of nutritionists. None of them support this. None of them are telling people to cut out entire food groups. And not one of them would suggest you cut down on apples and oranges. Not one. And so if you've got a bozo friend who's suggesting you try this, I suggest you show them that little finger in the middle of your hand because they clearly do not have your best interest in mind. Um, Be wise. Just make good choices. Make better choices all the time. And perfect's boring. And uh, you don't. You just don't need something rigid like that. You don't need it. You don't need the supplements. You don't need the pills. You don't need the lies. You don't need to spend your hard-earned money on crap that gets you nowhere. Um, yeah, the only the only food group that I think is fair for people to remove, and it's mostly because of ethical reasons, are animals. If you want to be a vegetarian because you don't enjoy eating our furry friends, I get that. And that's fair. You have to make an extra effort to get complete proteins. You have to eat the beans and you have to eat the nuts and you have to go out of the dark leafy greens. Um, You have to seek out sources of iron and protein. And so I think it's very fair if you're ethically removing a food group. But I don't know if anybody removes pizza over ethics. And I certainly don't know anyone who removes apples and kiwi and watermelon for ethical reasons. So just be smart. Be smart. Go to the burlesque show. Scrub your hands. Um, I'm going to touch on one more subject because I promised I would, and I think it's really um, valuable. So Barb Raster. Barb is one of my hotties. She's been a hottie for a couple of years now. And when she joined the group, she was over 200 pounds. And I I forget what her weight was. She had already lost a little bit of weight. Um, But her goal was to eventually get down to 140, which was the weight she had when she was in the Navy. 
but she really wanted to get what she called Wonderland, 199 pounds. She just wanted to get into the 100. So Barb, uh, when she first joined the group, I called her. We FaceTime, got along great. She promised me she was going to make progress. She adopted the formula, and she was wildly successful. She went down, I know, at least 180-something, possibly lower. Um, but Barb was doing great. Now, Barb has had some transition in her life with her family and her moving and her job, and things are actually doing much better. And so over the summer, I would see a picture of Barb, a sweaty selfie, send me, I'd say, Barb, how's it going? Great. Smiley face. And then about two weeks ago, Barb posted online. She said, oh my gosh, I gained 30 pounds back. 30. And so I responded, 30, call me. And she called instantly. And I said, what in the world has gone on? And she was back up to 216. And she said, well, these, she, this, and this is what I imagine many of you to do. And I check with Barb. She doesn't mind me telling you this. But Barb, <laughs> she goes, well, I got this job. And I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. For she starts telling me about her job. Barb, I don't care when you work. What the hell? She's like, well, I got this and that. Barb, you have consumed an extra 95000 thousand calories in the past few months. That's an extra 95,000 calories because 3,500 calories is what it takes to gain one pound. So if you consume an extra 3,500, you gain one pound. So in order to gain 30 back, it's over 90 something thousand calories. And she went, oh, and I really kind of punched her in the face with that information. And I'm sure I probably didn't sound nice to anyone who was listening side by side, but Barb knew I was telling her the truth because I love her. 90-something thousand calories is what she consumed extra in the past few months. So um, instead of crying and getting emotional and making excuses anymore, Barb said, okay, I know what I need to do. And since that point, she's gone from uh, 216 to 207. And she has been using the formula and sticking with it And she's relying on fruit and yogurt for snacks, drinking lots of water. And um, I think she said she had chicken this morning and a turkey sandwich for lunch. And she knows at nighttime, if she gets hungry, she's going to have a little fruit to tide her over, um, but all within her caloric budget. But she's doing the right thing. And here's the the great thing about Barb. She's done it before. She's had the success. At some point, she chose, meh, I'm just going to stop paying attention to my caloric budget. And she used life as an excuse. She said, oh, this job is what's making me do this. A job doesn't make you consume 90-something thousand calories. And I say this not to pick on Barb because Barb's already gotten her act together. But whatever's going on in your life, it's not an excuse to gain back 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 50 pounds. And if you've done those things, call me. I'll be happy to rip you a new one too. But you just got to reverse it. You know, you have proof of success when you stick to the formula. You have proof it works every single time. Folks, if you've not read the exact formula for weight loss, please go to fitness.com. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. Go to the front page. It's right there. Exact formula for weight loss. You can read the article. Please read it from top to the bottom, including the frequently asked questions. Listen to the podcast. But it will change your life. And if you forget that it changes your life and you let it go, Reach out for help sooner rather than later. Reach out for help when you gain three pounds, not 10, not 20, not 50. Um, I expect you to put your health in the same category of importance as your teeth. And for the rest of your life, every time you pick up that toothbrush, I want you to think of me. And I've got that one eyebrow up and I'm poking you in the chest. And the commitment and the agreement we're making is if you dare pick up a toothbrush and you pick up that toothpaste and you dare put it in your mouth and start scrubbing, then you are going to put in some effort on that entire body of yours because that body of yours is going to take you a lot farther and count a lot more than those special teeth in your mouth. You got it? Oh my. So we have covered a lot of things today. Um, Again, I love you all. I love you so much. Thanks for listening to the nonsense. Thanks for listening to the solid advice because I tell you what, it comes from science. It's the truth. And uh, I, I really want you to absorb it and utilize it to make your life better, to help you live better and longer. If you haven't already done so, please follow me at Fitness on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on YouTube. If you go to YouTube on my Fitness channel, there's a playlist full of tons of workout videos. Do the hip stretches. Do the foam rolling video. Do the 
fun pull-up videos. There's all sorts of cool stuff to help you train. Um, but again, I'll love you very much. Send me some more questions. I, I love answering them for you. You've given me some great topics to talk about. And uh, stick around, listen to Rudy Novotny tell you about my morning mile program. And now it is time to get to work. Bye, everybody. Hi, this is Rudy Novotny, the voice of America's Marathons. We all love how much running has benefited every aspect of our lives, so much so that most of us only wish we'd started sooner. Wouldn't it be wonderful to give the opportunity to children of today? Well, you can. The Morning Mile is a before-school walking and running program that gives children the chance to start each day in an active way while enjoying fun, music, and friends. That's every child, every day. It's also supported by a wonderful system of rewards, which keeps students highly motivated and frequently congratulated. Created by our favorite fitness expert, Fitz Kohler, morning milers across the country have run over 2 million miles and are having greater success with academics, behavior, and sports because of it. The morning mile is free to the child, free to the school, and is inexpensively funded by businesses or generous individuals. Help more kids get moving in the morning by visiting morningmile.com. Champion the program at your favorite school or find out more about sponsorship opportunities. That's morningmile.com. Long may you run.